Those years are done. It's fine. Those were all traumatic. I'm trying to work forward. My therapist said as I need to. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, and that means only one thing. Tomorrow is Friday. No, I'm kidding. It is crossover Thursday here on the Locked On NFL channel. You've got myself, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, joined this week and joining this week, my good friend, Julian Council, host of the Locked On Panthers podcast at Julian Council. Julian, how are you, man? Ross, I'm doing well here on the East Coast in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, it's kind of stormy outside right now as we're recording (laughs) this, but either way, doing great, man. Really excited for Sunday's week two matchup, something I've been looking forward to for a while here for the Panthers and Saints. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. These two teams get a week two check in and then they don't see each other for like 20 weeks and then we'll see you at the end of the season. So it's going to be really interesting to sort of see these two check-ins. On today's episode, we're going to go through a couple of different things. We'll talk about the biggest stories. We'll look at the key matchups, and then we'll talk about keys to victory and make our picks and predictions against our betonline.ag odds. So Julian, let's go ahead and get it started here with the uh, biggest stories for these two teams. Let's start with the Panthers. They're the home team after all. What is the biggest story right now for these Carolina Panthers heading into this week? (sighs) It's a good question. Because last week's game against the Jets was all about the Sam Darnold revenge game, if you want to call it that. You could also (laughs) say Robbie Anderson revenge game. And he's the one who showed the most emotion when he did the whole Jets logo, kind of being a plane when he scored that touchdown. (laughs) Sam was pretty ho-hum about it throughout the week. And I actually buy that. He's got the California cool kind of persona where I really don't think it meant all that much to him. Yes, to win was important. But was he looking at it as a revenge game? I guess this week is kind of like – Proving just how good they are. You won 19 14 against the Jets. It's a good win. You're 1 0. Everyone should be happy about that. But I've really wrestled with this in Sunday just how happy you really can be when you play one of the worst teams in the league. And for large parts of that game, the offense was pretty ineffective, not only in the red zone, but just in general. Where in the second half, it was punt, 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 field goal, punt. Mm-hmm. Then the game was over. So that's kind of the thing. I'm just wondering. It's a prove-it game for the Panthers at home. Just how good is this team heading against a Saints team that shocked the entire league with that oh, 38-3 to victory on Sunday in Jacksonville against the Packers? Yeah, I, I get the idea there, right? Can you repeat what you showed last week? That's certainly what's on the New Orleans Saints mind. The big 38-3 to victory, 35-point loss for Aaron Rodgers, 35-point W for uh, Jameis Winston to take home and eat. It was an incredible uh, performance there, but how much of that actually bleeds over into this performance? I think the biggest storyline to watch for the New Orleans Saints is going to be availability. That becomes the big thing. Yeah. You saw that injury report, right? The thing looked I, like a tome. <laughs> well, you have, what, 10 guys who are on IR right now, including what three starters, Lutz, uh, mm-hmm. Crowley, and, and Traquan Smith. Traquan, yep. And then you got Michael Thomas on the pup list, and I can mm-hmm. see him for a while. And then what, eight COVID cases as reported by Adam Schefter on Tuesday? Yeah, absolutely. Six of those being coaches, one of which a nutritionist, and then the other being Michael Thomas, who's on that physically unable to perform list. So he went from physically unable to perform to reserve COVID, and then he'll go back to physically unable to perform. I guess good timing? I don't know. That's but the best case to- scenario, honestly. <laughs> yeah, so. be a player, let it be a guy who's not going to play anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But now the Saints have this really interesting situation to where you have several players that did not practice on Wednesday's practice. How much of that is precautionary, veteran rest, things like that? 
Quan Alexander, uh, a big name on there. You also had CJ Garner Johnson limited, and then you saw Tono Passio, who had a strip sack in place of Marcus Davenport after Marcus Davenport had to leave the game. He's out for very likely a couple of weeks. Marshawn Lattimore, Eric McCoy, all these guys. Plus, you have a running backs coach, a tight ends coach, a wide receivers coach, and an offensive line coach all out with the C word. So it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And so the Saints are now coming up with all these unique ways to try to combat that in terms of prep and getting ready for this game. Sean Payton is just leading full on offensive meetings as opposed to the usual positional breakdowns that you would see. Yeah. Availability is going to be huge in this game. How do you even navigate the sidelines without the positional coaches and the little like positional huddles that you would usually see with the tight ends, quarterbacks and all that? Or is it just going to be Sean Payton running up and down line of scrimmage saying, good job, good job, good job, good job. I and, don't that's, know. and that's what I told my audience on Wednesday. Like this is obviously week two the importance of a division game, but to be able to play the Saints under these circumstances, we already knew that Will Lutz wasn't going to play, and we knew that Michael Thomas would be out. And mm-hmm. Will Lutz, I know he's only a kicker, but as we've seen here in Carolina, where we're already on our third kicker, it's an extremely <laughs> important position that you want to have settled, particularly going into a big-time game like this on Sunday. But in terms of the guys who are out, the coaches that are out, and how the whole disorganization of the whole week and that with Hurricane Ida and having to be in right. Dallas-Fort Worth area and all that the Saints have gone through, like it didn't bother them last week, but this week you add everything. This has to be the opportunity for Carolina to go out there and beat New Orleans, despite how good they look. Now, I did tell people too, if Sean Payton's healthy and out there and Dennis Allen is healthy and he's calling the plays defensively, I think the Saints might be able to figure it out considering they are grown men and have plenty of veterans. I don't really know how much game day preparation, how much game day coaching adjustments really do happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, you normally see for the Saints, the biggest coaching adjustments in game happen on the defensive side. So thankfully for the Saints, position coaches, assistant coaches, coordinators, all good on the defensive side, coordinator, uh, Pete Carmichael, good on the offensive side. But, you know, it's just those position coaches that have such a huge role and a huge lift. Thankfully, Ronald Curry, who's kind of the rising star along with Ryan Nielsen over the defensive side, but on the offensive side, Ronald Curry is kind of the, the quarterback's coach. And he's kind of the guy that's really the rising star there. He's fine and he'll be there. And that's great because he was up in Jameis Winston's pocket the entire time on Sunday. Expect to see that again. Speaking of quarterbacks real quick, before we sort of transition here over to key matchups, how you feeling now with Sam Donald? I know it's only one game, but you were really reserved about it in the beginning, as have I been. They get away with the win here. Is there more confidence in Sam Donald now? I mean, bro, it's been one week. Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to just get the positive. Uh, uh, no, no, it's there. I, there is a lot of positive. I, That's everyone, good. I, I told everybody after the game, like, I thought that he was terrific, especially in the first half, where mm-hmm. he threw for 234 yards, had the two touchdowns, especially that long touchdown throw to Robbie Anderson, which Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey did a fantastic job stepping up in pass protection after the Panthers' right guard, Dennis Daly, whiffed on his block. But for Sam to maneuver the pocket, move out to his left, and hit Robbie on the money, the deep ball is back in Carolina after last hey. year. We didn't see a lot of it. I love what I saw from Sam. But you go to the red zone, he had that fumble where, I mean, that's basic stuff for the quarterback. You can't run into your fullback. And he missed Ian Thomas on that seam route for that could have been a touchdown on that same drive. He was good. We need to see, you know, what he looks like against teams not named the New York Jets that have one of the worst secondaries in the league. A lot of positive say from week one. But as I've been saying, it's not a one-game referendum. Let's wait until at least the second half of the season before we make any really grand statements on Sam Darnold, unless he's just awesome the first eight weeks. And it's very obvious that the scene of the change of scenery is all he really needed to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely. 
Deep ball is back in Carolina. Deep ball is back in New Orleans. Sure to have some fireworks in this game. We'll talk about the key matchups that lead to that as we continue on with our Locked On Panthers, Locked On Saints Thursday crossover episode here on the, the Locked On Podcast Network. But real quick, want to tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Talking a bunch about the New Orleans Saints not having all of the parts. You ain't got to worry about that when it comes to your vehicle, thanks to rockauto.com, because they have all the parts, pieces, and accessories that you need, regardless of whatever type of make, model, or year your vehicle might be. And the best part about it is that you have all of these parts that you get to look at, make a choice from, and they're all coming in at cheaper prices than what you're getting over at those chain stores where you got to wait for 20 minutes for somebody to tell you that they don't have the part and you got to wait for two, two weeks for it to show up anyway. So don't worry about all that. Stay at home in the comfort of your own home. I searched Rock Auto the other day in my pajamas and I've never been happier. It was a fantastic experience. And now I have a brand new headlight on the way because my headlight went out, Julian. My headlight went out. I'm, try- I'm not trying to get in trouble with that. So hey, it's on the way over here. I know it's the worst. It's all it's the worst, but it's already on its way. And I got it at a cheaper price. Same part that you would get from the chain stores, but at a cheaper price. So go ahead and check them out. RockAuto.com. Show them some love and show us some love while you're there. But right in Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com. Julian, as we continue on with our crossover Thursday, New Orleans Saints traveling to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. Julian Council of Locked On Panthers, myself, Ross Jackson, up Locked On Saints. Want to talk about key matchups here for these two teams. Is there a matchup for you that stands out, whether it be position group, position group, or player to player coming into this Sunday's matchup? Yeah, it's the offensive line of the Panthers versus the defensive line of the Saints. And that might be... Uh That's probably what I'm going to say literally the next 17 weeks. So <laughs> which position group are you looking at versus which other one? The Panthers O-line versus literally every defensive line in the National <laughs> Football League. And if we want to break it down to specific positions, well, I'm looking at right tackle Taylor Moten, who just got the bag this offseason, going up against Cam Jordan, who's been a thorn in the Panthers' side for a long time. Those two are going to be matched up together for the majority of the snaps there on Sunday. Right. But also, like, the Panthers' interior offensive line has been really bad dating back to even the last preseason game against the Steelers. Pat Offline, who I tell everybody who I've got an opportunity to talk to, is not very good at his job, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And PFF, Pro Football Focus, for those who are not initiated, had him rated as one of the worst offensive linemen over the last three years. Him and his buddy at left tackle, Cam Irving. But Irving actually played pretty well on Sunday. Elfline gave up the most pressures, four on Sunday, of the 11 pressures the Panthers gave up. Uh, Pat also over there, right guard. I don't know if the situation is going to be there, whether it's going to be Dennis Daly, who did kind of struggle a little bit on Sunday, or it's going to be John Miller, who just got activated off the COVID list, but mm-hmm. may not play on Sunday. Overall, the Panthers have to do a much better job protecting Sam Darnold if they want to have any sort of success against a very good New Orleans Saints defense on Sunday when they meet up at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte. Yeah, and I think that pass rush is going to be kind of both ways here, because you mentioned the New Orleans Saints defensive line going up against that Carolina offensive line. I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to talk about the New Orleans Saints offensive line, keeping Jameis Winston clean of that Carolina Panthers defensive line that had six sacks against the New York Jets. Now, it was and and I know that a pass rush was a welcome sight in Carolina because it's something that you kind of has been uh, getting better over these last couple of seasons. But, you know, just like the Saints a few years ago, it wasn't there for them all the time. So to see that six sack game to open up the season you get a little worried, especially when you're coming off of a game where Jameis Winston barely had any pressure on him and didn't get sacked at all 
in that matchup. So can they do that again? Can they keep Jameis Winston clean despite the fact that center Eric McCoy is going to be out for this game, who has been making all of the keys and all of the uh, protection calls? Is it going to be Cesar Ruiz sliding back over there who played well? He played good there, but that's not where he spent his entire offseason preparing. He's been preparing to shift over to guard. But Will Clapp, their backup center, who is usually the immediate backup center, wasn't available. And so you had to slide Cesar Ruiz over. You lost one player, and then you had to change up two positions. So is that going to be what they do again and have that undrafted free agent from last year, Calvin Throckmorton, come in at right guard again? Because if so, not a great matchup against a guy like Daquan Jones and these these pass rushers that are coming for the interior who had four pressures in uh, last week's game against New York. That's going to be a key thing for me. And of course, they went out and they signed Austin Reiter. I kept calling him Austin Reitler in yesterday's episode. It's the worst. But Austin Reiter coming in. But is he going to be able to jump in and start at center after allowing no sacks since the Super Bowl win for the Kansas City Chiefs two Super Bowls ago? But is he going to be really ready to go to make all of those protection calls? It's not as simple to slide in at center anymore without Drew Brees there. No, but also the fact that I guess Ruiz has had an entire week of preparation. It's going to probably mm-hmm. be easier to do it this week opposed to last week, having to step in right away in the middle of a game. So I can under mm-hmm. I can understand the hesitancy and the worry there. Like last week, yeah, Daquan Jones and Derek Brown were awesome. Oh, They're in the middle in the middle at defensive tackle, more so run stopping. So I'm very interested to see what that looks like again going up against that Saints offensive line, which is among the best in the NFL. Yeah, the pass rush was awesome last year. They got rid of a bunch of veterans like Bruce Irvin and um, Gerald McCoy, who unfortunately mm-hmm. suffered another season-ending is- injury, Man. where in 2019, they were second in the league only behind the mm-hmm. Patriots and sacks. So Carolina traditionally always has those dudes coming off the edge that can get after the passer. And when you add Hassan Reddick to go opposite Brian Burns, who should have had at least four sacks on Sunday. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that dude like leads the NFL and miss sacks, but he's still one of the best pass rushers in the league. And his other draft class buddy, Max Crosby, out there, with the Las Vegas Raiders was all over the field on Monday. Like that's yeah. the guy, only guy in his draft class who has more sacks than Brian Burns over the, their first two seasons of their career. But yeah, the Panthers, they can get after the passer once again, like they did on Sunday. Then yeah, I want to see if Jameis can actually make the right decisions that he was able to make on Sunday. Like outside of that one time where Darius Smith hit him and they called mm-hmm. the most egregious rough in the passer call we've seen. That was an interception, but he got bailed out by the ref. So he did have one pick. Technically, well, I'm just saying count. it was also defensive pass interference. But you know, oh. these things aren't reviewable. These things aren't reviewable. Oh, so oh, you know oh here we go. <laughs> here we go with the whole. You okay? You have the ball first in overtime. Okay, I'm not. Hey, and, I didn't bring that up. I didn't bring that. All I'm saying is that it was pass interference on that same pass. I'm talking about this, this the touchdown or the, the interception that Jameis Winston threw that I called back. It was either going to be rough in a pass or it was going to be pass interference if it was going to go to review. So, all you know, I'm, all I'm saying is other. we heard all these Saints fans complain about, oh, it should have been a pass interference, which it should have been against the Rams. But either way, you got the ball first in overtime. And you <laughs> We're not the talking about the pass, Julian. We're talking about Sunday and this yes, matchup between the Saints and the Panthers. I don't acknowledge those years anymore. Those years are done. It's fine. Those were all traumatic. I'm trying to work for my therapist said as I need to. Next thing that I want to talk about here as we go through with this defensive line, we both talk about the defensive line and the pass rush, but I'm glad you brought up the run game because the matchup between each of these teams' front sevens and the opposing backfield has to be a key matchup to watch as well. Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, certainly we're going to get some fireworks here. 
Yeah, and the thing too, Matt Rule saying on Wednesday in his press conference that when it comes to the running, the pass catching game out of the backfield, the mm-hmm. Saints and Panthers, it's the same offense. They're running the same <laughs> scheme. So I'm curious to see who has more of an impact on Sunday, whether it's Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. I do think the Panthers will have not much trouble at all running against the Saints on Sunday, but it'll be if the Saints can be able to defend Christian McCaffrey, who got had nine receptions on Sunday. Now there's been a ton of conversation about him getting 30 touches. I've told people, well, maybe ask the quarterback not to keep targeting him, and then maybe you won't have to worry about Christian McCaffrey touching the ball potentially 10 more times a game in the pass-catching game. But that that will be an, an interesting matchup. I, I Like I said, I think the Panthers won't be able to run the ball effectively. It used to be if the Saints can make some adjustments knowing. And, and so the Panthers also, defensively, they can make adjustments in trying mm-hmm. to defend Alvin Kamara and then vice versa with the Saints trying to defend Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. Yeah, they're definitely going to key in on him in the run game. That's always going to be the Saints MO. They want to limit the run game first. But what does that do with the passing game with a lot of you know receiving weapons and, and all of that? We'll actually dig into that and much more as we continue on with today's crossover Thursday. Locked on Panthers, locked on Saints as we continue on to take a look at our picks and keys to victory for both of these teams on today's crossover Thursday. Part of Locked on Podcast Network your team every day. Before we get to that, you know we're going to talk betting lines up next, Julian. Right now, the New Orleans Saints road favorites. I always get a little bit nervous about that. I don't know about you, but when the team is a road favorite, I get a little get a little shaky about it. So you've got the Saints right now favored on the road in Carolina, minus three. If you want to get in on that line or anything else, you've got over under, you have the money line, and of course, you have all the other games going on with the full slate of NFL games this week. The MLB as well, right around the corner, best or, or the playoffs right around the corner. So everything's heating up there. Best place to get involved with all of it is over at betonline.ag. And if you want to get that 100% welcome bonus on your brand new account while you're there, make sure you use the promo code NFL100. You put $100 down, you get an extra $100 to play with. All of a sudden, you're a rich person with $200 to play with over at betonline.ag. It's a lovely way to go about it. Go ahead and throw them up. Throw them up. <laughs> Gotta love it over at BetOnline. So go ahead and check them out. That MLB, NBA's right around the corner. You can already get in on some end of year uh, MVP uh, odds, all that good stuff as well as your favorite Vegas casino games that are all, all, all over there as well. So go check them out. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, y'all, we are wrapping up today's crossover Thursday. Julian Council, host of Locked on Panthers, myself, Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints. Julian, let's start off with the Panthers here in this one again, talking about keys to victory. What's the thing they got to do? What do the Panthers have to do to get this dub against the New Orleans Saints? They have to get after Jameis Winston, force turnovers like they've done so effectively in every single game that first team defense has played so far this season, where it's the game two against the Ravens in the one possession they played where they got the interception, game three against Pittsburgh where they also got an interception, or last week where they had the interception and made Zach Wilson's debut just complete hell. They have to do that again, wreak havoc on Jameis Winston, try and force him in some of the boneheaded mistakes that we saw over five seasons in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. They also need to be able to protect Sam Darnold. That mm-hmm. They cannot allow Sam Darnold to see ghosts again like he did in New York, keep him protected, allow him to hit his playmakers like Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. DJ Moore had a great game. And also Robbie Anderson, who he only targeted one time on Sunday afternoon. If we get the, get the ball into those playmakers' hands, I feel really good about the Carolina Panthers. So getting after the passer, protecting their quarterback, those are the two keys I see for this game on Sunday if they want to be able to beat the Saints at home. 
Yeah, New Orleans Saints very similar, right? Or 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 I guess very similar sets of the game, right? You have to keep you have to do the opposite, right? You got to keep Jameis Winston clean, allow him to not be in a position to where he feels like he has to be rushed to make decisions. The Saints ended up moving on from Latavius Murray, who was a fantastic pass protector in the backfield, but they keep Tony Jones Jr. elevate him up to that running back two responsibility behind Alvin Kamara. That additional pass protection, I think, is going to come in handy here. He's a very good pass protector in the backfield. Uh, Adam Troutman is a very, very reliable pass protector, as is Garrett Griffin, guy that is in their tight end room, but they utilize a bit as a fullback, kind of an H-back split-end hybrid role. So I, I like the way that they utilize him, but those extra blockers, those extra protectors are going to be really, really important. So keeping Jameis Winston clean is only the first half of it, though. These receivers have to be able to create separation. Now, don't get me wrong. Jameis Winston only completed 14 passes yeah. on Sunday, right? And he only attempted 20 of them. The guy threw a touchdown every three passes. It was ridiculous. You're not going to get that same level of efficiency in every game. You caught the Packers sleeping. That's great. I'm glad for you. But with the Panthers, uh, a division rival, somebody a little bit more familiar, you're not going to get that same thing. Division games can be wacky, but you're not going to get that same level of efficiency out of your offense. So what do you have to do in order to give Jameis Winston the ability to be able to make those smart decisions? You have to create separation. You only saw five catches from wide receivers out of those 14 during that game, and not a ton of targets going that way either. You had six out of those 20 targets going to Adam Troutman, three of them going to Juwan Johnson, the converted tight end, so nearly half going to those tight ends, not including the running backs out of the backfield. So you have to be able to create separation if you're a wide receiver and create some throwing windows for Jameis Winston. The other part is going to be dictating this game on the ground. The Saints did a great job of that last week. These running backs were also incredibly efficient. 171 rushing yards in that game against Green Bay. That allowed them to have that nine-play drive to open the game and then two 15-play drives to go after that. I think we got to the two-minute warning within an hour and 15 minutes of broadcast time in that Green Bay game. It was incredible the way that they were able to sort of dominate the line of scrimmage there and the efficiency of these running backs allowing you to dictate the flow of the game. They'll need that same thing. On the defensive side, if you don't have Marshawn Lattimore, you get a little bit concerned. You got the rookie in Paulson Adebo who did have a good, a very good opening in terms of his action. Bradley Roby coming in, the Saints traded for him before week one. He's now able to, to start after being suspended in that first game. So you have viable corners there, but are they going to be able to hang with the speed and the length of these wide receivers in Carolina? DJ Moore, always good for a big explosive play against the New Orleans Saints. Robbie Anderson gives CJ Gardner-Johnson fits in the last couple of times they've met coming out of the slot. I expect he'll probably operate out of the slot again. You get these guys that are out there and that can do a lot of different things and that can really stretch the secondary for the New Orleans Saints. How do you respond to that? Yeah. And also I'll add two more things too. When you yeah. bring up the wide receiver position for the Saints, like outside of Michael Thomas, y'all have been trying to find that number two for the longest time. Marquez Calloway looked really good in that Monday night football game, but mm -hmm. that was also the preseason. Didn't right. seem to be anywhere to be found on Sunday in that Packers game, but the Panthers secondary, like on Sunday, JC Horn, look very Oof. good only gave up he gave that one touchdown at the end it is what it is not not a big deal but only gave up two receptions was a very willing tackler um in the run game Dante Jackson gave it four catches but he actually looked pretty darn good from what we've seen in Don, from Dante the last couple of years I think he can actually break out this season I will add also one more key for the Panthers and yeah, it's yeah. something that bothered them last year and it's already been an issue throughout the preseason and week one the red zone 
They were 28th mm. last year in the league in red zone percentage. So far, they're already at the back of the NFL as they're one for four in red zone percentage in terms of touchdowns. They should have scored at least two, another one on Sunday. Didn't because of Sam Darnold missing that throw to Ian Thomas and then subsequently fumbling the ball a couple plays later where Matt Rule said they would have walked into the end zone and had he not run into the fullback there handed the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. You can ill afford to get down to the red zone against a team as good as New Orleans and not come up with seven points. Like that can't happen. And I say seven, it's not even seven, really six points. And then the new kicker, Zane Gonzalez, has to go out there and make kicks. Like, yeah. If the Panthers are on a merry-go-round of terrible kickers right now, I understand Joey <laughs> hey, we've Sly. Been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Well, really, we haven't really been there here in Carolina with John Case no. for all those years. And mm-hmm. even Graham Gano, as much as fans I want to dunk on him, the dude was pretty good for most of his career. He had like one bad year. Than the whole Butker thing. I'm, we're not doing revisionist history today on this <laughs> podcast. I'm tired of telling people what actually happened in that situation. Either way, they can ill afford the missed kicks. They can ill afford to get down the red zone and not come up with seven points in total yeah. if they want to beat New Orleans on Sunday. It's a home game against a team that's banged up, going to be missing some coaches. This is the best opportunity they've had in a long time to beat a Saints team that has seemed to be a, um, not unbeatable, but for the Panthers, it's been a pretty tall task of the last three seasons with Drew Brees there and now Jameis Winston's there to see what's going to happen on Sunday with the Saints team that's basically owned them over the last couple of years. Yeah, the Saints uh, two red zone takeaways last week, so we'll see if they're able to continue that on the defensive side. That'll be a big uh, piece of that game to watch what happens in between the 20s for both these teams' offense and defense. All right, Julian, as we mentioned in our uh, bet online spiel there, the Saints favored minus three heading to Carolina. What's your prediction for this game? Hmm. Yeah, I, I've been talking about 3-0 would be a heck of a start for this team. The Jets, that was an easy W, even though they tried to make it a little hard there in the second half. Next week, Thursday night against Houston, yeah, the Texans look good. Urban Meyer, Jack, those guys aren't playing for Urban. That could be a 3-0 start that, be, that they can beat New Orleans. Sunday terrified me from what I saw. But given all the losses with COVID, the, the structure of practice this week being disrupted mm-hmm. once again on top of what they had to do having to move, from New Orleans down to Fort Worth. I'm going to take Carolina in this game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take them. I think I'm going to say it's a push. I think they're going to win by three mm-hmm. at home. All right. I am actually, because of all the things going wrong for the New Orleans Saints, I'm going to take them to win. I don't usually do this. I usually bet against the Saints all the time early on in the season, three and five over the last four years when it comes to their opening pair of matchups. They have won the opening matchup over the last three seasons, but have gone on to follow that up with a loss. They have not been a very good team early on in the season, usually a slow start. But this just feels like another one of those games that Sean Payton is going to say, oh, okay, all eyes are on me again. Here we go. And he's going to come through with this insane game plan, just like he did last uh, last week against an offense or against a team that he knows very well in the Carolina Panthers. And he's going to be able to help out Dennis Allen with his prep for Joe Brady because Joe Brady's running a similar system to what Sean Payton runs. Obviously, they worked together. So I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I'm not going to take them to cover, though. I think this could be a game that goes down to the wire. So I I see this one as being a like late game and maybe an Aldrick Rosas, you know, late kick him coming through for it, even though he missed that extra point. I I do think that the field goals are going to be a really interesting piece of this game to watch. So Julian's got the Panthers winning. I've got the Saints winning. Who's shocked? about those picks. <laughs> nobody. Nobody is. Julian, absolute pleasure, man. I look forward to this game on Sunday. I'm sure we'll be talking all throughout this matchup.
Yeah, absolutely, Ross. Can't wait to see what happens on Sunday to uh, tweet at you when the Pan- when the Panthers <laughs> win. So we'll see what happens, though. We'll big big game for Joe Brady, too. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. But big game for Sam Darnold, Joe Brady, and the Panthers, and everyone involved. Yeah, lots of great stuff on the way here. Lots of great stuff over at the Locked on Panthers podcast. Go do your enemy scouting. If you're a Saints fan, check out Locked on Panthers. If you're a Panthers fan, come and hang out over at Locked on Saints and get the insight that you need before this weekend's game. And don't forget to check out the Locked on Bets podcast as well, because You might as well get yourself some money with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. For Julian Council, I'm Ross Jackson. We'll see you on the other side as we continue on here at the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.